1: I will bring up I-95 bully, and I don't know if he had a trade, I don't know if there's a play you wanted to discuss, I don't know if you want to discuss our home record, um, but well, I'll, I'll keep filibustering while he's connecting. I-95 bully. I don't know if you have a trade you want to discuss, or if you have a, um, or if you want something to say about our home court advantage, woes, or, or lack thereof home court advantage earlier. But anyway, the floor is yours. Good, morning. Good afternoon. How are you? What, what's
2: up, man? Can you hear me okay?
1: Loud and clear. Yeah, man,
2: I'm, I'm on my way to this Phillies game to watch that, that bird-ass team lose. Um, But to get – Good luck. Yeah, I'm going to need it. Philly fans are animals. But um, I kind of wanted to, to touch on just a little bit of everything you guys were talking about. Um, When it comes to the, the home court thing, you know, the way I look at it, and I think it, we're probably around the same age, Sean. You know, I, I grew up going to Yankee games at the old stadium, uh, sitting in Section 39, the Bleacher Creatures. And the things that go on in the Bleacher Creatures, or Yankee Stadium in general, it's 20 times worse than what goes on in the Garden. The Garden is Chuck E. Cheese uh, compared to, to Yankee Stadium. And as far as the players and not being able to deal with it, they're professionals. I mean, when they play well, we cheer. When they play bad, we boo. And we let them know about it. So I don't think, you no know, the fans have any culpability in it, really. It takes a certain kind of player to be able to perform in New York. Um, with the Yankees, we saw Joey Gallo was putting up you know, pretty decent numbers before he came to New York. And then once he got to New York, he forgot how to play baseball. And uh, Chris touched on it, you know, the, the temperament of the player. Is Julius Randle a type of player that can succeed in New York long term? And I'm not going to say anything disparaging about him, but it's, it's a legit question. You know, we see how temperamental he is. When, when things are going great, he's great. And I think Matthew made a point um, a few weeks ago. I, I believe it was Matthew. If, I, if I'm not, I'm sorry. Um, is it a coincidence that Randall was playing some of his best basketball when Obi got hurt. What was there less pressure on him? So that's that's the thing. I've heard.
1: I heard it was Macri. He did say he did reference that. Um, no, it was um, not Macri. It was uh, uh, GMAC. Andrew brought it up uh, on a post game, and and Macri, while he didn't want to like completely like go along with it, he at the same time he didn't rule. You it
2: can't out. dismiss it. That, that's the thing. You can't dismiss it. And you know, as far as the trades, um, for me this year um, is what last year should have been. I don't want to see any blockbuster trade. I don't want to see any big trades. Um, you mentioned Kuzma. Um, the one question I have with Kuzma is: Okay, if you get Kuzma and you're paying him twenty-five million to or twenty or thirty million dollars, what's the move after that? Because do, do you want Kyle Kuzma to be the highest-paid player? on your team. And if you get Kuzma to me, that signals there has to be another big move uh, this summer. I would imagine. It would be, it would
3: be a step toward eventually moving Barrett. Yeah. And having, and you know, if you're going to sign and trade Randall down the line for a star and trade Barrett with picks for the other star, you would be left with Brunson Grimes star Kuzma star. You know, like that would be what you have going on. And
2: it seems like that's like, that would be the first domino, in my opinion. If you get someone like Kuzma that you know you're going to have to re-sign, that's a domino. If you get OG, that's for damn sure a domino. Uh, For me, I just kind of want to see the kids finish it out. You know, let's get some actual evaluation of these players and with this stretch that we're going through, it's sink or swim time. I think this is a good opportunity for us to see what we really have. If if you want to get tips of body, so players aren't playing forty minutes, I'm with it. But I, I, honestly, I don't want to see win, win lose or, or draw. Let the chips fall where they fall. Just get tips of body, so guys don't have to play forty minutes. Um, but yeah, that, that's all I got.
1: Thank no, thank you. I ninety five bully. Yes, to your point and to Chris's point. Like once you if if the front office brings in Kuzma. That is the first domino, and that is also the end of RJ oh, Matters, hey Sean, Um, in New York. Yes, um, sir.
2: Be- I'm sorry to, to cut you off. You mentioned uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. Um, mm-hmm. You guys had that guy as a guest, and he mentioned that the, the rumored asking price was like a, a top 10 or a slightly protected first. I don't know if I'm willing to give up a, a top 10 protected first and additional pick and a young player for him. It seems like that asking price is kind of high for him right now.
3: I think the Knicks should be interested in a Bogdanovich. I don't think Boyan is that Bogdanovich. Ah, <laughs>
1: uh, so you're right. No,
3: one that's hmm, that's interesting. That is the, the interesting. The Knicks need a bench gunner. Emmanuel quickly is six foot three with a six nine wingspan. Should mm-hmm. be playing minutes with starters as well as initiating for the bench unit. When initiating with that bench unit? think he would look pretty good next to. What are you eating? Popcorners. I'm being to ask you that for like the like to have like a last Like, this must be me. All right, go ahead, continue. With, um, but they're spicy. They're spicy queso popcorners. But I also have a medium spicy Tostitos queso blanco dip. You are a... You're the best. Keep going.
1: I was like, I was like, it sounds like he's eating. It Sounds like he's eating. All right. So, the. That's right. no, okay. I'll say this real quick. Um, Boyan. No, excuse me, Bogdan. Um, Atlanta, Atlanta Bogdanovich. And uh, I don't know if he like defensively, eh? But, offensively, like, no, absolutely. Um. He would, yeah, absolutely. Uh, to R ninety five bully's point, the Detroit is, um, I think the term is full of shit, because I think if someone said here is a unprotected first round pick for Boyan Bogdanovich, Detroit's not going to turn their nose up at it. Now I don't want to offer a unprotected first round. Well, maybe the Knicks should because that the Knicks are. I'm sorry, unless something goes terribly wrong the Knicks are probably going to be a playoff team. So it's not going to jump up to like, you know, 10 um, to the top four. Um, so I, I think if worse comes to worst, and they said, uh, here's, the, here's the Dallas pick, which will probably be 15. And I think they'll take it. They're just posturing the same way about OG. Oh, like Masai can put out, he could use his little birds to say, oh, he's going to be like, a Donovan Mitchell-like type package for OGM, they'll Be like, stop it, cut it out. Um, especially since he will be a free agent not this summer, but next summer, summer twenty-four. So I'm not giving you all that for a year and a third of
3: team control. Chris, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I, I, you, you ag- agree? That's what I've got. <laughs> okay, no, you're good. Um, I'm, I'm gonna not gonna, read- I'm not gonna force. Like I could, I could get up here and do sixty seconds of big words, but I'm, yes. I just. I appreciate your – I appreciate it.
1: Um, I'm going to read one of the comments that was in the chat, and then we'll go to Andy P um, from Johan Peters. Uh, Johan says, you need players to offer adjustment options to begin with. Evan helps with zone, but opens up their next problem. I I 1,000% agree. I think this is more a roster issue than a coaching issue. Are are there certain things he could do differently offensively? Yes. Um, But, again – when your three best players rather operate inside the arc and you do not have knockdown knockdown shooters on the outside, uh, it makes it it makes it harder. So like if, when teams go to a zone, if they're not gonna hit if we as a franchise, as a team, are not gonna hit threes, then guess what? We're cooked. And what did the Knicks shoot from three yesterday? Drum roll please. They actually shot forty three percent from three, and they still got cooked. <laughs> I, I gotta look at the I gotta look at the second half numbers. But anyway, um, then again, we're the Knicks shot forty. 50, the Knicks shot fifty nine percent from the field yesterday and lost by fourteen. God bless America! Uh, shout out Nate. Uh, Nate runs at Hawks fan, who I guess pulled up and thought we'd be here commiserating, but we're not. We keep our heads held high up here in New York. Uh, shout out CT Pittman. Shout out. Um, shout out Kane twelve eighty three Warren anonymous. Uh, Joey, I see you. Kyle, Alex, Mad Nick, Mad Nick fan, Ryan. Uh, big ups to everyone who's in the space. We appreciate it. We appreciate you spending Saturday afternoon with us. And our next person. Um, I feel like we've been waiting. This has been a long time coming. What well, Andy P? Welcome to the stage. Uh, what? thoughts would you like to How share? How you doing? Good, hey, good, good. On? Happy, Happy Saturday.
4: Saturday. I'm just very worried about the upcoming schedule, um, and I wanted to know what that's y'all think. That's
3: a, that's
2: a fair thought. Sir.
4: You know, it's, it's going to be a very tough 10 games, and the Knicks have to make a move before the deadline in order to get over this
3: 10-game challenge. So, when you say that, what what is it that if a move is made, what do you want to be able to say? Or what do you think the Knicks need to be able to say is true of that move? What do you think they need to have improved? Because, I'm, you know, you say they need a move. I'm curious what kind of move that is. Just kind of get a temperature check of the fan base. Sure.
4: It's the players who are inactive and just sit on the bench but could probably be worth something to a different team. Um For example, and I know Sean and I go back and forth on this every time you guys have a spaces, but I think Evan Fournier is worthless to us. He could be a ninth man somewhere else, but he's worthless to us, and he's got no passion, and he doesn't belong on the Knicks. So if you could replace him with someone who can actually be inserted into the Tom Thibodeau rotation, we'll have a shot at winning these 10 games.
1: So I will so where you and I agree, Andy, is that Evan Fournier on this team around these players and this coach doesn't work. Um I still think it is a failure that we cannot find a way to incorporate a career thirty eight percent three point shooter onto our rotation. Um, and as I've said past KFS study halls that People who think Evan Fournier's next NBA, t- next professional team is going to be Guangdong or or, or, you know, or or the Shanghai Sharks, that he's not a good basketball player, is sadly mistaken. I'm not saying that you're saying that, Andy, but I see a lot of that on the timeline and in my discussions. Um, but with that being said, yes, if we can replace his spot, if we can replace his spot um, with someone who can. Contribute on the offensive and defensive ends. Absolutely. You know what the funny thing is? I'll say this, and then um, I don't know if you have anything else to say, Andy. I'll let you finish. Um, I remember – so, okay. I remember during the playoff series in 2021 where it was clear – and that was when we first saw, like, you know, what playoff tips looked like for us where clearly – Atlanta has made adjustments, and 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 the Knicks just kept. We just kept running our stuff. We didn't. We didn't. You know, try to seek out Trey or say, all right, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put this. We're going to put this lineup in because then Trey can't hide. Or you know, we'll put him in pick and roll. That is like, no, we're just going to run our stuff. And last night when they went to zone again, and I say this all the time. You know, the term that – the, the one of the fancy new terms in Knicks fandom and in, in Knicks world is situational. You know, player comes back, he's situational, which I guess that means the, the situation is garbage time. But, like, situational to me is like – to me means in certain situations you can play a certain player. And, again, you have a player who's a career 38, 38% three-point shooter and you're playing as a team that's running a zone – can you find five minutes for that player to come in and spark some offense? And I think you can, but the problem is our head coach only can play a certain type of way, and because that player doesn't fit into the way he wants to play, he is therefore useless. Which I think is a miscarriage of, of basketball, and to the point that Chris made at the top of the show, this idea that we have this mis- this, this roster is misfit toys, and they don't work together Oh, all, it. Poor Coach Thibodeau. What are we going to do with this roster and these players? It's like, I'm not buying that. But to your point, Andy, I agree. If we can can switch out Evan Fournier for a body that we can actually put and play 25 minutes a game that is helpful on both sides of the ball, that is a trade I would welcome.
4: Right. So I have a couple of points to that, and then I'll yield back. One, Chris I know that you're a reporter and sometimes you get some beautiful views to watch the Nick games. Next time, I want you to focus on Fournier on the bench. Let me know if he even claps when we score or an amazing play is made. He's so checked out, he doesn't deserve to be on the bench. I, I was lucky enough, I got invited to sit right behind them for one game this season, and the guy was sleeping on the bench. The other guy, Ryan, who gets maybe a half a minute, was jumping up and down and and was trying to hype him up, and Evan was sleeping. So for that reason alone, I don't want him on my team. Secondly, you're talking about a 38% career shooter. That doesn't matter anymore. If we looked at career statistics for every player in the NBA, we'd be giving Mello contract right now. Let's talk about the present. Let's talk about the last season. Let's talk about the, the, the season that just passed. The guy bricks every shot he takes and he takes his shot selection is
1: awful. And let's talk about his
4: defense. What do you think about his defense?
1: Oh, he's a, he's a calm defensively. We agree with that, but he's not the only dude. Okay. He, he's not, what I'm saying is not every 38% three point shooter is like, uh, if he were a great defender, then he wouldn't be Evan Fournier. He'd be like freaking uh, Desmond right, Bane, Right. Right. Um, I will say this. So I think you're right. Yes, if you look at someone's career, you, you know, if you take someone just because someone's someone can have a great career number but not necessarily be great right now, I will ask you this. What do you think Evan Fournier shot from three last year? Percentage-wise? Percentage-wise. Yeah, I, I
4: know it was 38%, but my point is he, he he's a dud right now. He fell off a cliff. He's averaging six points a game.
1: So – my question to you then would be, what do you think? Okay, what do you think? And this season, he's averaging thirty-one percent. Where did his confidence go? So okay, so I, now think about this. Think about this. You have a player who I'm literally looking at. He like he has never the lowest three point output he had was. He shot 34% in 2019 in Orlando, but he shot 40%, 37, 37, I'm gonna round up because it's my show. I can do that. 41%, 38%, 38%, 40%, 36%, 38%, the, the aforementioned 34%, 40%, 41 excuse me, 41% in 2021, 39%, 39% in 2022. And then this year 31%. So when a player who is consistently a really good three-point shooter, all of a sudden nine games and because he's only played 19 games this year and he started seven of them, she's 31%. To me, that is what he did is the this season is the exception and not the rule. And again, it makes me think like, okay, what happened that this player who again Thirty-eight percent for his career. Now he's shooting thirty-one percent, and that's why I say, and that's where me and Chris personally are in 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 lockstep. It's like certain coaches would say, "All right, I need to figure out why this guy went from thirty-eight percent to thirty-one percent. Is he in a slump? Is there something going on at home? Is it something we're doing? What is going on? Because Sims kept starting him, right?" Um, But our coach says, you know, well, I mean, so so I think both things can be true. He doesn't belong. As long as we have this head coach and the roster we have he doesn't belong on this team. But another team will put it to you like this. I'm I cannot wait for a year from now or a year and a half from now. Whenever 40 is another team, it's like, oh, look. And and the Knicks fans will be filling up the timeline like, yo, Evan 48 shooting forty percent on this team. How come we could have figured that out? I'm just like, tweet at me, tweet you know, at me when he goes back to shooting forty percent.
4: I'd love to see that.
3: I, if he I, shoots thirty eight percent, two things I think. Number one, um, you know, not um, this is not supposed to be any sort of statement or criticism or statement at all. Regarding the Knicks head coach, I just remember being told that Reggie Bullock was done. He couldn't shoot anymore. Uh, He needed to be out of the rotation. And I remember saying that I didn't think that was true and that he should stay in the rotation and that he should remain starting that season. That happened and, you know, he he had his rough patches. But if you told those people that said he was done, couldn't shoot anymore, that three years later – in uh, you know the year 2023 that over his last four games he'd be averaging 17 points per game on 66 percent from three they would be like oh well why couldn't we figure that out you know so I think that that aspect of it is valid I also believe that those arguments aren't catch-alls I think every player is an individual discussion I think Every player, you know, deserves to have context added. You don't need to just say, oh, well, Reggie Bullock was bad and then good, so Evan will be bad and then good. Like, as someone who said the Knicks should target Fournier in free agency and said they should offer him a four for 78 deal, and then they went on to do exactly that, um, it would make sense that I would be a proponent of Fournier. But in wanting to sign him, I I wanted – the team and wanting the teams to sign him because I thought it would be best for them. I also wanted them to have in plan to move him before that last year of his deal. And in my opinion, his athletic decline came a year before that, which is earlier than I thought it would be. So that was a miscalculation on my part. And because of that athletic decline, I think it is fair to say that the juice is no longer worth the squeeze in regards to his shooting. Now, um, in regards to uh, what you have determined as the prerequisite number of claps per game, I cannot speak to for it's vibes, not claps. His his participation, it's positive vibes. Um, right, whatever the you know the the fee to entry is to uh, for for you to consider him a good teammate. I, I don't know uh, about all that. I do know that. Um, At you know, I'm there about two and a half hours before tip-off at games that I cover, and I'm on the court about 90 minutes before tip-off watching shoot-around. And the first Nick out on the court is typically Fournier. Um, Then Rose. Then Randall Barrett. Sometimes Robinson, not anymore with his injury. Uh, Grimes. McBride. Different guys will come out. Fournier will still be out there, and then he'll – he he prepares for every single game as if he's going to play when he knows he's not, warms up longer than anyone else, except for potentially Derek Rose. But Rose also spends extra time out on the court because PJ yeah, Rose have to. warms up with the team every game. They're at
4: their stage in their um, career where they're 10 years in, eleven years in. You have to warm up more than RJ Barrett, who's 21 years old.
3: Right. So I think for Fournier who comes in the building every day, does what it takes. Um, to get ready for a game, is a professional, is, is suited up, is ready to go. Uh, I think the narrative that he is, you know, a, a negative off the court would be a stretch. I, I I, wouldn't see it that way. I also know that Archer Diakono has a deal with the Knicks because of that enthusiasm. He is this year's Theo Pinson Um what he brings to the team in that bench role is valuable to them. And it's why they, you know, guaranteed the contract and are going to keep him around despite the universal knowledge that he will never even have a chance to crack. He's like a water boy. (laughs) Listen, he's friends with Brunson from Villanova days. And what, uh, what I've been told what he does for the team off the court in practice, you know, all of that stuff is just they feel it worth it to keep him around. They kept Pinson around for the whole season. Pinson has said Thibodeau was not a fan of his dancing on the bench and whatever. Um, Archie Diakono, probably more up Thibodeau's lane. Is so, there anyone
4: you <laughs> would call up to replace him? I don't follow the development league, so I, I wouldn't know.
3: Ah, uh, You're saying like uh, on a two-way yeah. contract. Um, I am actually, and I've said this on the Knicks Film School podcast before, I'm actually a really big proponent of being case-to-case with two-way spots. So, like, I'm of the opinion that any team that it's a question that maybe they'll be in the play-in, like, as in not playoffs or worse, I'm saying they're going to miss the playoffs, but maybe they'll be in the play-in. Or, then any team worse than that should absolutely use its two way spots on developmental projects. Guys like, remember the Knicks brought in Ivan Rab? Like, guys like that, like, uh, they have NBA size, NBA bodies, and you wanna see if you can teach them with your coaching staff that you have faith in how to be an NBA player. I totally agree with that. I, I also agree that if you know you're making the play in and you might make the playoffs, you might be a top six seed, you might host a playoff series, you'll definitely be a top eight seed, whatever it is. I'm actually a big proponent of Energizer Bunnies um, as your two-way guys. So a Pinson and Archer I actually like that. And the reason for that is because last season, Fordham women's basketball had some seniors that never played that were the team's Energizer Bunnies. Um, one of them actually works for the NBA now. Like, She loves basketball, and they were just amazing teammates. And I saw their impact firsthand in practice on a game-to-game basis what it does for a team to have people around that want to be there and are grateful to be there and pump everyone up like the team would do suicides and they were cheering for their teammate. like it was just it's worth it in my opinion when you're trying to win basketball games to have those kind of players around so I actually wouldn't look to replace Arch- Archie Diakono I was fine with them guaranteeing that deal
1: thank you Andy appreciate and we appreciate the good uh The candor, the back and forth, because as I say all the time, if everyone in the room is thinking the same thing, no one is
5: thinking.
6: and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as J.J. does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus
0: or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data
1: Go to because we're over the hour mark, so we want to wrap up soon. I do want to get to all the comments. I'm gonna say one for last, because Chris, you and I are going to play a little game. Um, I think you'll enjoy Uh-oh. I think you'll enjoy the game. It's a good game.
3: It's a good game. Um, yeah All right. All right. you say that now. I think <laughs> I'm just as someone that no longer exists on this app how I used to, I now am careful. On how I phrase things. And games where quick thinking is needed might get risky. C- Chris, I promise you, I will, n- I, will
1: n- I will put you in a position to succeed. All right, all right. Okay. <laughs> all right, so um, from FC, Fraser D. Coleman, he says, besides bench scoring, parentheses yes, parenthetically Beasley, Leon needs to make a bold, capital B, capital letters, bold move. Yeah, it's parenthetically tired of waiting for a star. Here are two names available: Aton and he says trading m- m- Mitch, Obi, and picks, or Ananobi, Obi, filler, more picks. Um, Aiden cannot be traded this year because he signed the extension. No, no, that's that's, that's a lie. He can. I think he can be traded. now. he can't be traded to Indiana. Um, I believe the. I believe the. Uh, he wasn't eligible to be, eligible to be traded until January fifteenth. Um, I don't know if, if one you would need to add more salary to make that work um, because Aiden just signed like a near max deal, and um,
3: so you need that. You need to add someone else, um, and then also the deal there whether n- neither fan base will like it, and both front offices will hang up the phone. But the deal there is. Funnily enough, Crowder and Aiton for Randall and Robinson. The teams, uh, if the teams effectively switch front courts, it would work. Like under the cap, which, which is so funny to me because Jay Crowder, like I can't, I can't do that right right now. This is Jay Crowder, man. He hasn't played basketball in nine months, and he's holding out. I mean, give me a break. I think he's (laughs) Dalvin Cook. It's
2: so funny. calvin cook
3: um and then
1: Ananobi, again we spoke that earlier obi and filler is not going to get it done
3: um like when we make trades like we have uh, to realize I, like, i'm gonna tell you right now that if uh geez how do i phrase this and not get myself careful. in trouble be careful um um and i don't translate it for you if <laughs> if the knicks if the knicks were to hypothetically offer the three protected first-round picks that they got from the Thunder to Toronto for Ananobi, Toronto would hypothetically say no. And those discussions would hypothetically end there. Um, and I think I'm going to shut up now. <laughs>
1: You're going to have to DM me or text me later and, and and translate that. But I think I
3: know where you're going. It's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> a, I
1: did a um, shit job.
3: It's exactly what it sounds
1: like. All right. So, OG, you're going to need – listen, it's like – all right. I remember when I used to – in my fantasy league that I've been in for, like, 20 years. And, you know, we try to get trades. And, he, you know, you want to trade for this guy. And you want to trade for, let's just say <sighs> – A.J. Brown, and you're off, and you offer these players, and then the the, the other guy says ninety nah, more than that, and then what you start doing, you start saying, "Hey, man, your dude isn't even that good. He's not even that good. He's only done A, B, and C and D and E." And the response that we'd always I, we'd always give is like, "Well, if he's not that good, then why do you want him, right?" So like, if you want O.G. and Anobi, like OB and Filler is not going to get it done. It's going to end picks. Like, it's going to be and again, there's also an issue with with the, the, the with the salaries matching, um, because Obi, oh, excuse Obi, OG is earning this year seventeen million dollars. So you'd have to add. You can't just add filler, and you need you. And then the problem is you now you're trading like two first round picks and two players for OG and an Obi. And does he make you a contender? I don't think so. Um, but I do. I will say that I agree that like. Listen, the star, the star trade is coming, and now I sound like a company man. This trade is coming, but this this front office is not like. That's why I find it hilarious when people say like, "Oh, a panic trade is coming." Like, what have you seen? This front, like, you watch this front <laughs> office for three years. What have you seen that makes you think they're going to make a panic move? Like, that is yeah, Nick's but, PTSD. but they traded,
3: they traded the forty second pick in the draft and Dennis McJr for Derrick Rose. at a it was it was a panic trade, dude. <laughs>
1: next uh from enjoy thank you enjoy uh he said y'all need to get on the trade oh that wasn't a thing that was oh you posted that trade julius randall train asap that's hilarious no <laughs> that's not what it says you read that wrong y'all need to get on the y'all need oh get on the julius randall train asap yes um oh okay he's doing randall's one of three players in the league right now averaging at least 20 points 10 rebound three and a half assists They're the two back to back MVP, Giannis and
3: Jokic. Um, What matters to me about that stat is the is the next tweet, which is that Randall's turnover percentage, his PER, who cares? His his true shooting and his turnover percentage are both better than his All NBA season two years ago, and that's why to me, when last season people were like twenty ten and five, twenty ten and five, twenty ten and five, it didn't mean anything, like. I'm not, I'm not going to say other players that could come in and do that in the same system because it requires talent. But, like, now 2010 and three and a half, but there's a real point guard in the building and the efficiency's good and he's turning the ball over. Like, it feels sustainable. I feel like Nick fans, the fact that, like, Randall had a season that he did last year was, like, an affront to basketball and all that stuff. But I think he's done the best he can possibly do this season to get back in, in good graces. Like, I, I just think it, you know, that's, that's the way to see it. I, that's the way I see it.
1: So, uh, a uh, Frazier FC, uh, posted, um, and I posted a the Drummatron with a, hem a, trade offer, a trade proposal from the, from Fred Cassidy athletic. And it says, I'll read it out loud for those listening on podcast, the Knicks will get OG and Ken Birch, Ken Birch is two years, 13.65 billion. The Raptors will get Raptors will get Obi, Evan Fournier, the better of the Knicks or Mavs 2023 first round picks, the 2024 Pistons second, and the 2025
3: Knicks first round pick. Yeah. So see that's a, that, that trade has an unprotected Knicks first in it. That's okay, much, now, that's much different from
1: Obi. Y- yes. And now here's what I would say in return. Do we honestly think that this franchise would add a unprotected 2025 first-round pick in a trade for OG Ananobi? That's the question you have to ask. And the 20 things, I think the answer is no, because even in what Fred wrote, he wrote, I'm intrigued, though I can imagine the Knicks would grapple about that 2025 pick. Like, like they didn't want to trade a third unprotected pick for Donovan Mitchell. So I have a hard time believing they're going to include a... Second, a, a second unprotected, a, a second pick which is unprotected for OJ and, and Olb. I have a because again, what have you seen from this front office that makes you think they make these these chub out the window panic um, trades? FC though, I appreciate your, um, I appreciate the tweets and everything. Please, like keep, keep keep coming. This is good discourse. We need more discourse. Um, Johan also says that, and, and I may. Chris, I may throw this to you, but we can discuss together. What is Obi's realistic trade value on the market? Fans and GS might have a day-night difference of opinion. I mean, I'll start by saying fans overrate their own players. That's every fan base, not just ours. Um, if you put if you put Obi on on the trade market now, uh, you would get maybe a first. But it would be protected. Yeah, it would be you can, it would you be can no a it, young player
3: okay, the back and a protected first.
1: but the protection would be okay, if you get a young player and a protected first, then the protections are probably like top twenty ish. If it's yes. just a pick by itself and and then you get into trade exception territory, then maybe it's in the top eleven. but I but to the point is, I don't think that uh, o, uh, Ob by himself is not fetching like any of these players that we read off that we mentioned today. Oh, you're not getting them for Ob straight off. That's that's the point. Um, Mad Nick, uh, we had someone that requested to come up and then they left. Oh man, whatever. Uh, Mad Nick fan says I would like to trade a coach. Lol, lol indeed. Um, and now let's play the game. So here is the game. The game is based on this tweet from Cesar Gonzo, Cesar, and everyone else. Again, thank you for contributing to the show with your questions and thoughts. We really appreciate it. Um, the question he says is why you still said Thibodeau is a good coach? Then he has the uh, rolling eyes emoji and then the um of face emoji. Um, so here's the game because I actually play this, I actually, again, in life, two things can be, multiple things can be true about the same person, same place or the same thing. Do I believe that we can do better than Tom Thibodeau as a head coach? Yes. Do I believe he's a bad coach? No. So here's a game we're going to play, Chris. I'm going to say, a name. I'm going to run off some names of NBA head coaches and you tell me if you think Tibbs, if this coach is better than Tibbs or worse than Tibbs. or actually knows it, just tell me if you think he's better. Just say yes or no. Can we play that? Can we play that game without you getting in trouble? Because if you don't, I'll play it.
3: No, let's go ahead.
1: So we'll go in alphabetical order, and this will. And unless anyone has anything to say um, or I think, this will. We'll probably wrap up unless anyone has a comment they'd like to make. All right, I will go in alphabetical order by team. Nick McMillan, yes or no? Is he better? Mm, no. <laughs> so the funny thing is, I, I I kind of agree, but I think they're the same guy.
3: <laughs> I think it's I think it's notable that McMillan bested Thibodeau in a playoff series. Um, I think it's notable that Randall played as poorly as he did, and Rose was the only other guy on the roster. That was able to be a real playoff creator. Um, I also think it's notable that Rose didn't start until when he did, because of who was starting and why he was starting. Uh, I, you know, I think that I think that when you're weighing pros and cons, you take Thibodeau. I'll say this: I cannot definitively say
1: he is better than Tom Thibodeau, so I'll say no. So we'll 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 we we'll, we'll make that. Like if if I can if if I have if I can make an argument that he's not, then will, we'll say no. Um and I, shout out to Nick's take Jake, he's gonna lose his mind to all, some of the people we say.
3: Uh Joe Mazzula. Okay.
1: I'm saying no. Because I'm he's, been saying in the for, no. he's been in the league it's, ten minutes. It's
3: a little early for that, so that's okay. why I'm saying no. He also has a spectacular roster, but yeah. I and I'll say the same
1: thing for Jock Vaughn. Well I mean, he, well, this is not his, this is not his first job, he, but I'll say no.
3: Like, let's, I let's think there's an argument there, um, but I have to see playoff basketball, so I'm putting a N slash A on that one. All right, we'll do
1: we'll do. All right, I I will I, I'm gonna say no. Like, come on, what are we talking
3: about here? Billy Donovan, no. Hmm, not better. All right, I'm, I think all right, I'm, all right. I'm taking Thibodeau over Donovan. Um, um pretty I think good. we
1: agree. Steve Clifford is a no.
3: Oh, that's that's a good one. I'm gonna go with Thibodeau. I think Clifford is the guy that the media. When I say the media, I don't mean the Knicks beat. I don't. I do not mean the current Knicks beat. I mean over the years of Tom Thibodeau, the coverage he's gotten in the Minnesota era, all of that. The guy that they write that Thibodeau is is that's Clifford. <laughs> like Thibodeau's young players develop well. He just doesn't empower them in games to show that development. Clifford's young players do not develop. And I think that's a big, notable difference. I-95. You're on mute.
1: Oh, sorry. You didn't hear anything I said. Um, I was saying that um, I was talking on mute. Uh, I-95 bullies throwing up all types of thumbs down emojis. Uh, So we may have to bring him up at the end. I want to get his take on things. Uh, JB Biggerstaff.
3: That's a good one. I am struggling with this. I think they're both middle of the pack coaches. I think I wanna see I wanna see this Cavaliers team in the playoffs this season. Um I'm 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 inclined to go Bickerstaff, but if he like if he does poorly in the playoffs, I'll have no problem switching this answer. But I I would go Bickerstaff. Jason Kidd. Really good one. Um I think it's not a coincidence that kids' teams. If you look at his defensive stats, when he gets with the team, when he gets to a team, their defense is really good with his first year, okay. and the second year it's terrible. And I'm not sure if maybe you could say you know the front office overinvests in offense because the defense was really good, and then there's an overcorrection. You know, we saw that happen with Walker and Fournier on the Knicks. Maybe you could say that's what's happening. In my opinion, I think it's because kids' juice runs out quick. So I, I'm, I'm not. I would go. I would go with Thibodeau. Uh, Mike Malone. Malone. I would
1: say yes to that also. Um, anyone who gets bullied Cousins to all uh, cooperate is yes. Um, Dwayne Casey. Let's just start a rapid fire. Dwayne Casey. Tim it up. Uh, Steve Kerr. I'm not going to bother. Steve Silas. It's not Silas. Get out of here. Um, Tim it up.
3: Carlisle. Carlisle. Agreed. Lou. Absolutely. Indubitably Lou. Agreed. Uh, Darwin ham. Lou might be top one. Uh, give me. Give, oh, oh, that's a good one. Actually, let's exclude the first year coaches because I'm gonna we, I was gonna say it's a good one. I'm gonna go N
1: slash A. So it's still so he's we cannot say that he's definitively better. Ta- Taylor Jenkins. I'm gonna go Jenkins. Uh Spoza, yes. <laughs> this is an interesting one. Uh Budenholzer. Budenholzer. <laughs> You know what I – I'll save it to the end, my comment. Uh, Chris Finch in Minnesota. Thibodeau. Uh duh, 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 duh.
3: I, I loved Finch as an assistant. I haven't been impressed with him as a head coach. Oh, okay. Willie Green in New Orleans.
1: Green. Uh, You said Green. That's a yes. Uh, that's his. Uh, Mark – I cannot pronounce his last name. Mark Denning. No, Dave, whatever. Yeah, Daniel.
3: Uh I'll, oh, jeez, They are fun on defense. I I'm gonna go N slash A, because I would say him, but I, I want to see them in the playoffs. Okay. Uh Jamal Mosley in Orlando. No. Put Thibodeau.
1: Yes. Uh Doc Rivers. I put a yes. Thibodeau. Mm. You know. <laughs> you know what? I love I love this propaganda. I I, I would I love the anti doggers propaganda. propaganda. Um,
3: okay, uh, you think, that team would get like two more wins with Thibodeau, which is like enough for me to say Tivado because I think they I think they're the,
1: I think they might be the Spider-Man name, but we'll get to that. Monty Williams, Williams. <laughs> I agree. Chauncey Billups. I'm gonna say no. I'm going to say no. It's a good one. Is it?
3: (laughs) Is it? Yeah. I think they're both middle of the pack. I'll go Thibodeau. Mike Brown. Brown.
1: Uh, I'm going to skip Pop and Nick Nurse because that's understandable. Uh, My cousin, Will Hardy, I mean, I should
3: say no, because he's been in the league 10 minutes. That's what I was about to say. All right. I was about to say, I am I'm, I'm those debating it, but I was going to say, ultimately, not applicable. And last but not least, uh, Wes Unseld Jr. in Washington. I All think right. Unseld would be, I think some, I think a college should take a lot of money and, and give it to Wes Unseld. So we have named
1: definitively 13 coaches better than Tom Thibodeau, which means there are 16 coaches that aren't better than Tom Thibodeau. Does that make him bad? No. Does that make him great? No. But he is where we thought he was. He's a good coach in the middle of the pack, and that is why – and while, yes – he has his warts. Lord knows he has his warts. But a lot of these coaches that we named, a lot of the coaches that we've named that people like have their warts too. It was funny. I've been. It's. I've been in Raptor spaces and listening to listening to them have the oh. same complaints about <laughs> Nick Nurse that we have about Tom Thibodeau. It's hilarious. Um, some of these coaches also. It's and, and, and listen. It's all about rosters. Like it starts with players. You need you need players, right? So like if, would if JB Bickerstaff were the Knicks coach, would we be better or worse? Like how much of JB Bickerstaff's success is due to Darius Garland and now Donovan Mitchell? How much of Taylor Jenkins' success is due to uh John Moran and and the roster that they've put Jack. together? And the roster they put together Mike Bunaholzer was going to be fired until Giannis said, fuck this, and took, and just started dominating the NBA Finals in a bad way, right? Uh, so we have to keep that in mind. Um, I say that to say, I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's great. I think he's good. And a lot of good coaches get fired. A lot of good coaches don't win anything. And a lot of so do a lot of great coaches and a lot of coaches that are not so great end up going very far. Hello, Byron Scott. Um, we can wrap up now. Uh, Chris, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Well, let's go Giants. Let's go Giants. Oh, wait a minute. We have a, we have a late request. Let me make sure that's, uh, okay. Actually, no, we're not going to, I'm I'm sorry, Kevin Q, but we are not going to allow anyone who joined Twitter in January, 2023. That's following one person to speak. We're not going to take that chair. Sorry about that. Um, so, go, go Giants. Uh, I am a Ravens fan, but obviously my Ravens are out of the playoffs because Sam Hubbard is still running. And being a native New Yorker, I like to see New York teams do well. So, go Giants. Um, I had a tweet earlier that said, uh, like, so I as someone who has lots of friends from Philly who, is in, who lived in Philly for four years and who are in group chats with Philly people, the amount of confidence of the Philly fans and the Giants fans is hilarious. Uh, so, tonight is going to be a very interesting night. Um so and for those listening to the podcast, you probably know you probably already know what happened, so you know it is what it is. All right, so for WFUV's Chris Percyinen, I'm Sean the W. Thank you for listening. Mix Nation, let's ride.